Hello, everybody. Welcome to the new bonus episodes, or the bonus series, for the second season. Um, I attended the Costa Rican Big Data School, and, you know, I thought that maybe, maybe, <laughs> some of you can take some value out of this. Um, you know, many aspiring computer scientists and software engineers would really benefit from the things that they talk about in this event. This was a five-day event from Monday through Friday, um, from 8 to 4, <laughs> so it was pretty extensive, and they talked about a lot of different subjects and, uh, you know, very important things that you got to know in this day and age with big data and data science and data analysis. So I thought, you know what, I'll put this up. Maybe some of my listeners can take advantage of this and can benefit from listening to really, really high-end professors uh, from the... Texas Advanced Computing Center. Um, so, our instructors will be Weiya Shu. He's a PhD and the group lead for data mining and statistics group. Prior to joining TAC, he obtained a master's degree in biological sciences and a doctoral degree in computer science from the University of Texas at Austin. Then there's also Charlie Day. Charlie Day is the Director of Training and Professional Development with the User Services Group at TAC with a background in web development and scientific computing. Charlie's responsibilities at TAC include organizing, developing content, and building curriculums for TAC's academic course selection taught in conjunction with several departments at the University of Texas at Austin, as well as for TAC's professional development and educational team. Oh well. Oh, and just a quick thanks to Danny Sie, who was the one who recorded these uh, segments. Without him, we wouldn't have this awesome bonus round. <laughs> so thank you very much, and enjoy. Okay, um, so if you do not have a working Or what this means, yes? 
Yeah, so it's basically a function, right? So it's like we are just uh, doing something on paper. We may say we want to x uh, became two times larger, x times two. So that's a, a one a simple form of defining a function. The scalar adopted in the uh, in their programming language. So you can give the function parameters uh, in the parentheses on the left hand. So in this case, x, and then the second columns are followed by the type. So you're comparison by integer means, and then the error itself is means uh, is defined as that function. So, so you think about this as a transformation. So what the function does is going to transform the input into something else. Uh, for this one, it's a, a simple statement. Uh, then whatever on the right hand of this error is a, uh, what you want to execute. So for this time, it's times two. Um, if you have multiple lines, and you can use parentheses to put the multiple lines in there. So you can do more things with it. Um, the, for the scalar functions, and the other things you do not see is uh, um, sometimes you need, a, like in C or in Java, you need how what the value you want to return. But in a, a scalar function, you do not have to tell that. The, by default, it will return the result of your last line in your function. So in this case, we print something and then we will return the x times 2 that result as a result of that function type, uh, as a result of functions. Um, so, the, so why the scalar want to use a simple form to define the function is uh, in the Spark and the many of the big data processing, one of the central ideas we have been mentioning is uh, we want to bring the computation to where the data is. So in a lot of the programming construct, what we want to pass in through with the different function or different steps is a, is a function is another function or another method rather than another value. So that's very different from the uh, traditional language like C and Fortran, where you want to pass either pointer or uh, or an object along. Here we treat the function uh, as uh, a actually as an object, and then we want to pass that function along. So if you want to pass a function alone, uh, then instead of defining a function formally, and then you can have a simple form helps to define our functions more in a smooth, more in, more in a more smooth and streamlined ways. Um, so we see the uh, this example before. So basically, we have a list. Then we want to apply this uh, multiply by two function, and then apply to every single element to that list. Um, then it will, the my function will automatically apply say, for each element. We will call, we will get the elements uh, and use them as an input parameters to the function we pass to and collect the result of the output. Um, and then the result will be automatically became another list. So it makes the things much simpler. Um, you have a, like a, this is the, the complete way to use this. Um, but when you uh, get more used to it, or you read more, you will you will realize the type parameters may not be necessary. So you can ignore them. So it became simply as x became x times two. Um, and then, what more commonly, if you read some standard code, that will become even simpler. This became say a underscore times two, and that does the same thing as this one does. So basically, the underscore representing the whole thing here. Right, so the underscore is a, you will see that a lot in a lot of mature scalar code. Uh, it gives a way for you to make the code become really concise, really short. Uh, the underscore here is just like a well-matched character or well-matched 
right? Because uh, whatever given to it is uh, going to be applied this operation into it. So you can see for them as a re replacement for x, the error, and then the x again. Uh, you will see more of the, uh, this uh, underscore uh, operators. Uh, you will gradually understand and hopefully appreciate and how, how simplified it makes the program looks. Uh, if you have a good parameters and you can define them under inputs, uh, like this way, so the differences can be enough for input parameters and it's using the same way to the mind and the same, uh, uh, to return them. Um, so in here, uh, what we do is uh, we have the two input parameters and then we will return the sum of the two parameters. Uh, on, the, on the left is what we show. Um, it's, uh, it's a more like the, the previous uh, way, like we have this tuples come. Uh, then the tuple itself is uh, represented by x. Then we can use underscore one, underscore two to refer in the each individual positions. Um, so that's a, similar to the previous one we showed here, but just with the two variables. Uh, we can, uh, the, in the next server side, I will introduce another function on the match and the case, um, where you can map the, your input automatically into this tuple form. Uh, so if you know your input is a count with a, a two value tuples, and then in the issue, integers, if you match them, you match them directly to here, you can actually match the individual positions uh, into the different variables. So instead of doing x and the underscore y to specify the positions, you, you the match case uh, functions directly match them into two variables as x and y. So just return the x and y. So the multiple statements, you can include them in the parentheses. And then what if you have multiple return values? Um, you, can, you can, as an input, you can do a tuples, and you can also return them as a tuples. So in this case, it's a very simple case. You have, a, say, an xy coordinates, and you want to do some uh, translations, and then you can, y will only pass three, or y will only pass five. So you guys think type of tuples out, uh, with the value being modified. Uh, for all of this, and what you, what, what the things you like, so this is one of the most common form of the function being designed, being defined in here. Uh, any questions? So what do you see? Uh, some, is there something missing in these functions compared to other programming language? Where when you want to define a function? Yeah, there's no function name, right? So here, all you define is a input parameters and what's the return or what you're going to do. So it's a very good for short blocks and we will just pass them dynamically or with your another functions being embedded in there. But what if you want some function want to be useful? So you do you do have the option to give a name to it. Uh, just add the name uh, before the parameter starting in the function names here. And then later you can call that function. So the rest of them is the same. It's in this case, you just either name on the back end. Okay, okay so, uh, so that's about the functions. Uh, so a lot of time you see in the skylight is anonymous functions. 
Uh, the reason I want to emphasize that is uh, in the uh, in the Python uh, that what Charlie introduced later is a lambda function. So uh, a lot of the interface between the if you want to use in Python to work with Spark, a lot of those uh, uh, anonymous functions and functions defined in the Scala are translated into a lambda function form, and you just uh, do corresponding translations, you will be able to use the uh, uh, Python. Very well in just sparks. So for the control part, it support uh, the while loop and the for loop. Um, but each one, but in the Scala, is more preferred to the math loop. Um, so in this slide, I show several comparisons, and basically we have a list, and we have a similar uh, example before where we want to multiply by two. But in this, in this case, we want to print out each element um, in the others. So the while loop is, a, is not much different than before, but just in this case, we do not put in a return value, so we don't really need a, um, um, a, a placeholder for the return value here. Um, so for the for loops, and you can use the uh, same for loop uh, structures to support something, and then you can just have single line, just to print out that lines. And also in Scala, you do not have the worry about the event so it's we are trying to recognize that, and you also doesn't really need to add any special characters at the end of your uh, you end of your statement as well. So once you're used to it, you feel it's a more a natural way to how you write things or how you do things without a lot of the restrictions as well. Okay. Uh, if you need multiple uh, uh, statement, just uh, put them into the parentheses. Um, then it's a, this is a for loop. It's just just basically saying for each i in this list, we will print out this i. Right? Uh, it also has a for each characters. Uh, so basically, that for each uh, will became to say it, it's similar to the right, just to say for each elements in here, what we want to do. So in this case, we define it. So for each x, uh, for each elements in this, we just simply print out the, the result like that. Uh, the final way you have the MAC parameters to do the loops through the list is a, a similar case, and the, to do the MAC from X to the print, print the, the X out here. Okay. Questions? No questions? Okay, I, I have questions. So, do you feel the for each and the MAC are the same? So why are they redundant? Should, should the developer get rid of one? Yes, sir. Hey, very good. <laughs> so yeah, so if you notice the difference, and we have a return value for the map, and we do not have a return value for the for each. So for each, is really like an iterator, and an iterating through your list. But itself, it's a, actually, it's actually return something, it's just a, a new, it's just like not output. And the map is always return value. So in this case, we will just return a list of null values there. So that's a part of the difference. And if you want to do something, just print out things, you don't really care to return it out. You do not really need using a map function, where you will get an empty like the empty but take some space out of the parameters out. So you can try these functions out if you get a chance with a with a setting or with the Scala interpreters. You will see the return functions are different in different cases. 
pages. Great. So I do not loop. The other thing we commonly use is a, a conditional controls. So we have a if else, and you can uh, iterate through them. So for each of the elements, you can add in a if else statement to say if this one is an odd number, then what we do. If it's an even number, what we do, right? Um, the these also have a special function called filters, and later we can. Uh, in some example, I will introduce that later with this bar. That can be used more effectively to do the sum of the conditional like this. Um, uh, and the other special control flow using Scala is a kind of match case functions. Um, so it's the same problems, and we can have the for each loop like this. So we uh, iterating through the list, and for each one, we're going to print out the results. Uh, but also, we can do is we can have a condition being at the beginning, so we want to uh, do this function first, and then we evaluate what the result of this function match to. Then based on the result, we will do things differently. Okay? Um, so in this case, like you have a function, the nonlinear function being defined for the given x, we will run this if statement. And here is a review first to see uh, what's the remainder of the x divided by two, uh, what's the remainder of x by two, then based on then we will match the remainder into two different cases. If it's a match to one, we will bring them out. If it is a match to nothing or a whole else, here again we use this underscore as a placeholder, it means anything basically. But then we will just do nothing. So you can have this empty space this means do nothing. Um, so the, the for each uh, use the quite a bit as uh, the match case use the quite a bit as well in the setup. And it simplifies, especially when you have a micro conditions. And remember yesterday we had a case we want to do if else, if else, if else can sometimes do. So match case sometimes can be rather simpler because you only need to do condition conditional testing once at the beginning and then just try to match the result to uh, whichever branch you want to um, the other things about the match case use is uh, in the scanner is a strong typing, so even if you do not get the type, it, it's, it's going to automatically inform the type void. So it doesn't like uh, uh, R or Python where the type can dynamically adjust based on what you need there. Um, in the scanner, it, it doesn't do that. Uh, but so the match case sometimes can be applied to the types. Um, in this, what I show is briefly just an overview how the types in the Scala being organized. Uh, so basically, the Scala has a base type called any, so that just represents into anything um, can belong to there. So you can use that as really the things representing any possible input or output you have. So one way of using the match type is to uh, you can define a very generic functions. But when you give a different type of the parameter as an input, it can do different things, right? So for, for example, in this case, uh, we have defined function that could take the all kind of possibilities, and then we will match it. If it is an integers, we will do it is integers. If it is flow, we will do it is flow, and so on. Uh, then when you pass in different type of the values into it, it will do the will give you the corresponding result. So that makes the function more generic, and you can easily apply them into different types of the objects. Now you don't need to write one for string and write another one for the uh, for the numerical values to make them more easily maintained and more readable. Okay. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, if you're new to Scala or new to Spark, 
sometimes this may cause some confusion because same function, similarly same function, will give different parameters that may give you different, they may things to behave different way. All right, so so that's a, that's a kind of the, some highlights I think, I think it's a important, especially for people who already know another problem that we and trying to understand more about what Scala can do, and more importantly, maybe able to help you to understand better about a, a common uh, structure problem working in Scala, and also helps you to be able to convert to the in between. Okay? Um, I was initially trying to finish this before the break, so I was actually going to give you a homework during the break, is to, like yesterday, I think Charlie teach you how to calculate time, Charlie fixing it, how gigs we are, so I feel me. It'll be a shame. So anyways, yeah, I want you to you can be calculating pi as well. Uh, if you are interested, go ahead and try it. And uh, it's a it's a very similar to the Python. It could be very similar to the Python, and it could be very concise and much more concise for the Python as well. So just do it as your as you wish. Um, the other things is uh, you can do is uh, um, I have a notebook for that means um, those uh, exercise. I do not have a, um, I have um, it's right here for the rest of the slides. Uh, so if you go to the shared directory, and the shared directory is here, and that URL also post in the website, right? The, the, you post there. You will find a JSON file called spark-basic-b2 or something like that. I may change the name. Uh, you can download that uh, JSON file to your local computers. So it is a JSON file, so it's readable. You can open it up. So that's how Zeppelin captured the notebook. So once you have a Zeppelin notebook, you can export them as a JSON file, and you can link it to another machines or another clusters, and you can load it up and run it. Okay? Um, so that's uh, a JSON file I have made, and uh, we, which has some uh, uh, code, and I will show next, that more specifically related to the Spark, okay? Um, so if you have the Zeppelin working and running, uh, if you have a slide, you can just probably can just click the link here. If you do not, and go to your class website and click the link here, and go the uh, directory, you may see a JSON files. And once you see the JSON files, and you can uh, go back to the Zeppelin uh, homepage. Um, there's a, So there's a import note options in the Zeppelin uh, homepage here. You click it, it will pop up a Windows uh, with a, uh, you have two options, one is I from URL, and the one is the choose the JSON here. So if you already download it, just click that one. Uh, it will show your file browser, so just uh, choose the file you just downloaded, uh, give any name, and then you can import it in. So once it's imported here, you may see something like this. Basic V2, so that's the name of that uh, uh, notebook. So I will give you like maybe two minutes trying to locate this and download it.
Okay, so anyone still have problems or show? Uh, Raise your you'll be able to successfully import those. Okay, so what you have in that nose is a fairly long, so it has a lot of the uh, exercise, uh, like simple uh, code block, uh, corresponding to some of the main features of Spark. Um, if you are going to use Spark in the future, whether you use uh, Python or using the Scalas, and uh, you can refer them back for some examples. Um, on the code here, especially for this, this code, um, I organizing them into the different blocks. So the first one is uh, illustrating the my functions. And for each of them, they basically have a two paragraph here. So one paragraph is uh, the native standard implementations. And the other one is, uh, you see, they're starting with a PySpark. So that's their Python interface of the, uh, of the uh, Spark. Uh, so all, all the things here are straight Python uh, programming language. So you can write Python here and doing that. So I have them here just to be able to show you uh, the, the table comparison on Scala version and the Python version. Uh, so for example, for the simple case of the my functions, uh, this is uh, only, all of them have three lines. The first line is basically create a uh, RDBs. So the RDB is generated from a list. So the list is automatically generating from the zero to 100. Uh, then we parallelizing them to make them as RDB. Uh, then we just apply the my function. So this is my function I have seen several times. We just uh, going to times two for that. Then we type the result. Uh, you can click the small button here and it should run it. Uh, when the first time when you run anything in the notebook, it may take a while. Uh, because it's uh, the first time it's running, they try to talk with the Hadoop clusters and make connection and establish a applications inside the clusters. So the second time you run it, it should be much faster. Um, then you see that the output is the first line is creating the RDB. Then the second line is the mapping, and then the result is a integer array, so everything is a pass, uh, is passed by that tool from zero to second line. Um, so the Python version should be very similar, very familiar to you already. I think you did something similar before, so notice that the syntax of define the list is a little bit different, so there's no until keywords in the Python, so you need to use the bridge, and you can just uh, close it equipment. There's, of course, there's other ways you can generate them. Uh, then you generate these, and you can call the same, basically the same syntax, the power line, and the generate the RDBs. And then once you generate the RDB, you can call the same uh, API, the RDB.my, uh, trying to map a function to it. Uh, so here is a scalar anonymous function we pass through, so just the uh, uh, X and uh, um, IR and extend tool. So if you want, you can put a simplifier into just a placeholder. Uh, in the Python, uh, this is pretty much the only way uh, to do anonymous function, you do lambda function, where you have X as input, then you will return as extend The rest of them are most, are most, uh, most of them are equivalent. So all the things here, when you do the PySpark and it will convert them and interpret them and pass them into the GNN and it runs through the same Spark framework for the execution later on. Okay. So, so let's just look at the my function. Any questions about this? So you can
can run the Python version. Um, in the Zaptis, it supports uh, a, a lot of the different interpreters. And one thing about Python is uh, I have, so you can specify which uh, language, language interpreter you want to use. Uh, so you just have a percentage sign and followed by the keyword for, the, for that language. Uh, notice here, I do, what I do is a PySpark. So the PySpark is actually calling a different executable of Python that comes with the Spark. So that's one has been uh, changed a little and uh, been tailored for the Spark to use. So if you want to use Python work with uh, uh, Spark, so you probably using the PySpark. Uh, in the Zapier also support the regular Pythons. So if you decide you do just do Python here, it will interpret this block as a as a regular Python uh, uh, Python block, but then you will get errors because a lot of things are specific to the Spark. It won't pick up. It won't recognize. Okay. Um, okay. Um, any questions? Uh, with that means, 
Uh, when you start the Zapkin, and the first time we will run it, uh, it, it first of all, Zapkin has an IC context folder there, and then the first time, first time you are running it, it's trying to initialize a, a Spark context automatically with the existing Spark clusters uh, or the local Spark clusters. Uh, so in the in Zapkin code, you won't see the explicitly start of that uh, IC context there. But that uh, I see it, that Spark contact is important. It's kind of the master object, and the, all the all the other things will happen uh, under the, the, this particular Spark contact. Um, it's uh, actually similar implementations with uh, Hadoop. In the Hadoop, there are also a con uh, concept of the Hadoop context, and all the things we mentioned: uh, the mappers getting the data from the context. And then the micro will write the data back to that context. So that context will materialize how the, the data being parsing through in different stage. So the Spark context is exactly the same concept here. The synchronism as a master thread that oversee all the things and create all the things here. Okay. Um, so RDD is a basic structure in the Spark. So for the older uh, paragraph you see in my examples, it's basically always starting with this line. So this is one of the simple ways to create a RDE on the fly. So you, you basically get a list. Uh, then you, you have, I'm going to use in the Spark context to parallelize it. Okay? So your Spark context will initialize is ties to certain infrastructure. It could be just your local machines or it could be a real hydro clusters. You know, that means we are currently running is, is automatically connected and tied into the hydro cluster we are having. Okay, so so we talked about the um, scale-up for a while, so now it's something more special in the Spark. So one of the first things hit people is uh, this lazy evaluation concept. So how many of you heard about this term of the lazy evaluation? None of you? So, so how many of you write in a program before? Yeah, most of you have program before. So when you write something, you, uh, especially in the Jupyter uh, sense, right? You write one line, you click run, you expect that line to be run and generate some result here, right? So that's that is uh, in contrast to the daily evaluation, that sort of the uh, immediate evaluation of every statement there. But that's not true with the spark here. So that's why we call the daisy evaluation. So which means now all the statements are immediately executed when the program passes through it. So instead the program will kind of do a pass and assemble a execution plan first to see to look at what you want to do. And there's certain uh, functions that only define what you want to do, but doesn't tell the program to do it yet. So if you're only running those statements, you'll be running five of those statements, but your program is basically doing sort of like, oh, I'm going to write in this, I, want, I plan to do this, I plan to do this, I plan to do this. And only later, when you have some trigger function, if you trigger to say now, I'm ready to run this plan entirely. So that's what, why we call it a lazy evaluation, because now all the statements are immediately to run. So that's um, very important if you have something that doesn't work, you want to debug, so if you, uh, have your breakpoint or stop points in the middle of a non-evaluated functions, and you may feel it do nothing, but because it's indeed do nothing. Um, so with that being said, 
there are two types of functions with RMD. So one we call the transformation functions, which is the one that do not need the execute. So whenever you define a map, is an example. So in the map function, what we're doing here is we got we have the Spark framework. We want to apply this function to all the things of this RMD. Right, but Spark doesn't necessarily do that when we're just hiding it here. So there's a set of the functions that RDE support that belong to the transformation functions, like my and future and group by. Uh, and, and correspondingly, the other type of function called actions. So action is the one who actually executes. So it will trace back to see what the plan so far and what the statement has been accumulated so far, and then we're going to execute it all, right? So that's why if you look at this, uh, uh, the simple, the simple example with the my functions, we have a three line here. The first line is basically generating that RDE. Right? The second line is that we're trying to define that my functions. And then we always have a third line where we call collect. So why we have to hide this line? So what if I cannot run this line, what will happen? If I do not run this, so what will happen here? Well, we can try, right? So, see, it's only going to say I'm going to define this uh, RDD as this, and I'm going to do a map partition RDD based on this map function. So it doesn't really run the map yet. But even you get the just get the uh, output you want to see it, um, it's it's still nothing in there. Like there's no context in there. So it's, uh, because the function you only define the time, you haven't actually really. Uh, execute them. So that's why we really need the action. So the fact is one of the actions that will basically trigger. So now I'm going to run our function so that we can it. So without fact, your function basically do nothing. So if you can have 10 lines on transformation function, we put the code without the action, it will never going to be run. Okay. Um, that's the same thing with the Python implementation because Python is just using the syntax of the Python language, but uh, we want to do the Spark and also this up to the Spark, uh, uh, Spark framework to decide when to execute which things. So any questions about this? Is that something surprising or interesting? So have you seen this in other languages before or other cases? Um, you can think about why we smart want to do this. Uh, I don't expect you can give me an answer now, but tomorrow I will come back to these questions and to see if anyone comes any particular insights with why you want why Spark want to do this. And I have some slides to talk more about internal Spark and that can give a little bit of explanations why Spark want to do uh, these evaluations. Okay. So but now what the things you really need to keep in mind is the distinction between transformation function and action functions. Okay. So, so the next several slides are basically run through um, the common transformation and the um, 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 action functions and we will see what they were, they were doing. Um, so the first one is what we already uh, talked, mentioned or see several times, the basic my functions. So formally, it's a my functions. It's a, 
you pass the functions in as a parameter in, it applies to every element in that RDE, and then as a result, it will generate an RDE back. Right? So the RDE can, it can have a different type, so you have one type A, you apply and transform into a different type, and you get a different type of RDEs. So that's an example that I have in the first uh, segment in the example to the testing um, um, uh, to the notebook as well. Um, so if you want to play that parameter, so you can add more function in there, and all the other things you can do is uh, you can increase the uh, range of it and to see the parallelism at work, or, or comparing them into a non-spark version. So you can easily either write a Python version without using Spark, like write a Python version to do this, um, and uh, comparing to how that performs comparing to the, the PySpark version to see if uh, we really need something Um, so the other functions is the reduce functions, um, the RDE support. So, so the map function is uh, maybe nothing special where you see that in the Scala as well. So the Scala list also has a map function, basically map things into there. Uh, now you also see the reduce function that reminds you something we talked about yesterday, the map reduce programming model here, right? So, so that's what I, would, I mean to say is that the MapReduce problem model is, is really kind of a cornerstone for the big data analysis. And a lot of other programming framework, even they are seems very different now, but they have this core concept of Map and Reduce being put together and to make things working, right? So that is very important for you to understanding, having that concept in mind to understanding here. So, so for example, this is maybe a really weird code if you're looking at them. So basically, um, we have the RDE first. So RDE is easy, so we just do a list, then do a parallelize option to do whatever partition is. Now we call the reviews, and we have a two placeholder, and we just pass them together. Um, anyone have ideas what that does? Or, or how it works? So first of all, can you guess? What's the final result of these two lines will be? Yes? Yes, exactly. So it will sum the number of the list. Uh, but how do you interpret this uh, placeholder plus placeholder? Okay, so to understand this, I want to recall when we talked about yesterday the map and reducing. We said the map is a uh, take a key, key value pair in and uh, send the return key value pair out, right? So that's similar like we have the RDE in, then we have RDE out. And for the reduce function, if you recall yesterday, what the reduce function in map reduce take is a one key and the list of the values. And then what's a, a what the reduce will does is to go through that list of values and sum them together. So the implementation here of the reduce, you see the it takes two parameters and then it will generate one parameters. But in this case, it doesn't have a key here. So what it takes is a it's kind of what they call a, a, a commutative and associated binary operators, where it's just starting with the left and the plus one, so that became your first parameters, and then pass to the second parameters. And then they do that uh, iteratively until the end. So 
so this so so basically this is a this is a type of the operators that used in the um, spark that are trying to simplify the discrete definition of I want to sum up or not 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 necessarily just a sum up, uh, but I want to go through do something with the with the list of the list of values here. Okay. So one of the placeholders is for for previous result of this operation. And then the other placeholder is for the next elements in my list. Does that make sense now? So if you have the seconds, and that's the second block uh, I have here, about reduce is a very simple here. Um, and also reduce is actually an action that will trigger, but uh, it's the execution here. So if we run this, uh, we, will get, we will get the, the result of sum of one to 10 is a 45. I have a corresponding the high-spark versions. Uh, it's a similar, but just in this case, you can see more clearly uh, the, it will take two parameters in, uh, and then the return is x plus y. But just in this case, x is represents the result from previous iterations. Y is represented to the current element, so basically, I in the previous one into the, the current one. You can try, you can, instead of doing tasks, you can try to do, say, match line, to say this word, or try to say, with other operators. Okay. Any questions? Okay, okay so um, so as I keep mentioning sort of like uh, my videos is a uh, uh, serve as a foundation for a lot of things uh, that uh, to the spark is the evolution was expansion of the MapReduce hardware. So the MapReduce model's the basic function or uh, operation you're doing is just map and reduce. So the, as part of this uh, expanding the feature side, the, the Spark also has a lot of more map function and the reduce function that I work. Um, so some of the commonly used ones, so the next function I want to introduce is the flat map functions. Um, so this one is nothing really special, and it's just traversing through all the elements, it's doing the map, uh, but sometimes your map will apply your function to each individual elements. The result for that elements may become uh, another list or another net composite values. Then the flat type just trying to flatten them out instead of return the, the return the list, uh, nested the list result. Um, so in the example we are having here is so we start with the list. So this list is uh, four numbers, one, two, three, four. Um, and then we parallelize them as RDD. Then we do the map functions, and then we, we do, we pass them to say, so can you tell me what this map function means? Anyone? So your input is X, right? So the output will be a new piece with a three of that X inside of them, right? So, that is um, so yeah. if you just do a regular map, what you will get is a four elements, and each element is a list of three redundant values there, right? That's probably fine, but a lot of time, that nested structure may produce some problem we want to do 
subsequent processing. So the flight time is just a direct way for you to fly to that plant out as a non nested um, list here. So so instead of having a array of uh, three one and one list and the three four and the three four one, so now you have an array of the final elements and just each one to repeat three times. Okay. Um, so this so this function. So this functions is a. Um, mm, so do you think about the case you want to use it now or no? So have you? So do you have ideas like uh, if there's a good under which situations you want to use a flat map? Or can you recall in the previous uh, we were working on any problem? In other language, have you ever encountered such? Uh, some cases you just don't like the nice at least you know, your wishing it is just flat out. You do? Okay. No. <laughs> so, the, so there's a couple of reasons why Spark want to have a special uh, 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 operators doing this. Is one is uh, uh, when we talk about big data, uh, whenever we want to read, Reflecting on the structures, like if you say, if you do in Java or you do it in the Python, you already have a nice structures with a uh, with a list of the list, and the way you want to convert it into a new new list is often the time you need to create a separate memory space, be able to put your new list into there to make it uh, workable. So the flighting the list out sometimes may be a very memory intensive operation if your list is very big, right? Um, so the way the Spark implement so that part of things they uh, with the lazy evaluation and they assemble the plans and they see you want to wipe them out. So that flighting can happen in place, which means you do not require additional memories and to be able to achieve that. Okay. So that is actually a very important thing with a lot of big data processing. Since uh, if you not be careful and you you can easily use it too much memory where it's not necessary. Right? So here you can try to say, I'm going to do a map and getting those, and I'm just using a for loop, and trying to extract them out, putting them, putting them into a list buffer, then that this buffer will use the equal amount of the memory is actually the list. So which make your program nice and happy. Okay. So does that make some sense now? Okay, so that's another very commonly used map functions. Um, the other one is called the map partitions. Um, so this one is a little bit easier to understand. It's a recall when we talk about the RDD, we said it's a resilient distributed data structure. So the RDD will be divided as a partition, and then you have the partitions. So the map partitions, um, it's basically saying instead of the regular map, I want to map the functions applied to each individual element in my RDDs. I only want to apply them, I want to treat each partition as a whole and apply the function to there. Okay? Um, so again, so the example here is just to do a sum. So what 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 this uh, two lines does is um, uh, first line is I think it's the same thing like the, with the Spark context. We do a parallel and the list is a zero to KOA. 
Now you notice we have uh, additional parameters that are given to there. We didn't use before, so it's two. So can you guess what this two does?
And in this case, you don't need to worry about that. And you have the knowledge to know that each function will always apply to the data locally available. So in a sense, it's a compared to you manually code it, you say, well, the first one do this, first next one do this. Um, it will have more guarantee each function will work just on the local database. So it's a set, it is consistent with the important concept. We have a bit of processing is to reduce the data movements but bring more computations into the, the data layers. Okay. Um, so you can, for this one, you can also see my example here. Um, and I have the corresponding PySpark uh, examples. Uh, so which make maybe make more more easier to understand compared to the uh, Scala syntax. Uh, so basically, we are making a lambda function here, and just for each lambda function, we uh, assuming that the input will be a list of values, and then the values will be summed together. Right? Uh, but now, if you still have some uh, questions about this or want to understand more, you can actually um, click on the values values and you can see what the permissions looks like and what each permissions does, right? You can also change the lambda function. Instead of doing some, you can just say do print and then that will be how to understand it. Or you can change them into a different uh, operator and so how to understand them better. Okay, so uh, one more functions I want to introduce is a future function. So sorry, I have just a quick question. So I use three instead of two partitions. So uh, but I try to understand the, the output because it's one, nine, and eighteen. So what is the logic behind this partition? Uh, so you are referring to instead of uh -huh. Yeah, um, instead of two, I yeah. place three. So the map partition is a, so the so the first of all we create a list with a zero to eight, right? When we do the uh, RDDs and we create a two partition. So basically, uh, two partition. I think you see about the one list of zero to eight now became a nice list with the one list to be zero to three, and the other will be four to seven. Right. And then to the back partitions and for the sum and we will sum the first partitions, all the elements in the first subject, the first partition together, and all the elements in the second partition together. Okay. So can you can you run this question with three? It's just sure. Um is that two? Can you so it should be six and the twenty two here? Yeah, two. Range. Sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. No, instead of two, the, the last in the line when you have range zero from A, can you remove the two and place three? Oh, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it will break them into three partitions. So now in this case. The first partition will be zero one. The next partition will be two three. Um, yeah, the, the the rest will be belong to the third partition. Okay. So the partition is 
the first partition is two numbers, the second partition is three numbers, and the third partition is three numbers. Okay. So it's a two number, two number, and three numbers. Ah, the rest? No. Is the rest exactly four numbers? Four numbers. Ah, okay, okay, got it. Okay. Oh, so you were asking why it do the yeah? What is the logic? What is the logic behind this the the bar partitions when? I'm not sure actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think what it does is do a, a do a top down partitions. So you try to divide them into two halves. Mm -hmm. Then you start with dividing them into another two half. So when you add the three, so it's the first break to make four four. Then it breaks the first half four four into two four, but you only ask three, so it becomes two two four. So if you do four partitions, uh, it will definitely going to be uh, three, like four two elements here, right? Uh, if you do five, I think that the, the last one will always be bigger. You, you understand what I'm saying? So it's, they do a binary split each time, so they do one half. Then they do further partition, then do further partition until reach to one. So if they always do from left to the right, then your turn will always have a bigger partition. Okay? That's actually a good question. That's the first time I don't ask that question. <laughs> um, so the, the future functions. Um, Excuse me. Uh, we were wondering because we changed like the um, partitions in the two functions you used, and they're different. So we were wondering if this is the map part of the map reduce doesn't matter. The result is different because after the certain shuffle, the end will be the same, right? Um, so you run the same function twice, and it became different. Uh, no, in uh, the Chunk before that one? Also, you know, scatter version and the Python version yeah. gave you different results. Yeah. That's actually possible. Okay. Uh, um, if you would use three partitions, the result is actually different. Yeah, so it looks like the scatter version is a doing. Yeah, there's a uh, 
I use, for me, I typically just use things that are with a spark. So I only had this Python version for the past. And I'm very happy you guys really run them and compare them. This is the first time people actually care. <laughs> so it helps me to learn a lot. Like I, I really don't know Python and the Scala perform differently. Um, so the, the other functions I want to introduce is the looper functions. Um, uh, where you can pass in a function that can give you, help you to do the conditional uh, uh, check, check for conditions and then return a part of your list of values. So you can apply them into the RDPs and uh, say in this example, and we have all the numbers in the number, and then we want to find out all the even numbers. So what we are parsing through uh, is a function that's going to apply to, uh, going to have a result to be a Boolean result, and then based on a Boolean result, the, the result RDP will only have the elements that uh, have the true values of the result in it. So it is a way that can help you to quickly subset your list into a new list and the small ones. Um, so just for this one, it should be fairly easy to understand. And the way for each element, we will check if it can be uh, divided by two uh, without any reminders. So if it does, so it returns true, then it will return that is what its elements will be like in the return of the Okay, so yeah, I think I, I won't be able to finish the slide, but I can pick up one from tomorrow. Um, so, so far what we're talking about here, uh, all the functions are applied to the RDE. So in this case, there's no key, no value, it's just one piece of value, specific the RDE. So that's the, the, the functions you can apply to. So in addition to the just apply to the RDE, um, the recall the, the mapping use models in the uniform the representation of the data is a key value pair. So all the data basically come with that form. Um, in the Spark, it also support, and in a lot of cases, you may still need a key value pair form. So the RDD also support the operations uh, using a tuple where you have a, a, a definition of the key here. Okay? Um, so for example, we just see the filter functions where we can give is a, uh, a conditional uh, functions that will help us to only select half of the uh, uh, um, list of. But what if our goal was to separate them? So we have an even number and we have all numbers and we begin two. So that's where the, the function like the group by key becomes in handy is uh, uh, we basically passing through the same function, right? So it's the same conditional function we are parsing in there. Uh, but it will, based on the result, using that result as a key uh, applied to each function, to each element as a key to automatically create a implicitly key value pattern. So in this case, the key is a, is a function that we return. Uh, it's a return result, and the value is a, your input result, okay? So what this function does, it will, actually generating a array of the two uh, lists. So one is uh, all the even numbers and one is uh, all the odd numbers, okay? Does that make some sense? So, so, so this is a very uh, convenient and useful functions. 
where you can have uh, A functions to apply to your each individual element that you can assess a label or assess a category to it. Then you can ask your uh, group by function to automatically separate them. Or further, you can do a sum by group or do some iteration that very easy, very convenient to do that. Um, So let's see how many. Um, so, so given a function to create a key is one way you can create a key out of the RDD functions. And the other one you allowed is uh, to take with the index. Um, this is uh, another interesting one. Uh, you can try with uh, evaluating the Python and the Scala version, because they may also perform differently. What this one does is uh, say the RDD is a list of values, right? So there's no index. In fact, the, in the fact it's going to be a distributed uh, index, a uh, distributed list make it impossible for us to assign a numerical index to it. So unlike the normal Java or Python list, we can easily say, I'm going to get the list at position one, position two. There's no such thing because it's being distributed out. You, also, you, you need to know which partition comes first which partition comes later, right? So there's no fixed order of your list once you distribute them all, you try to move back. Um, so what uh, take with indexes does is uh, it can give one set of ordering to your list and make that more referenceable by the index. And what it does is by, the first is based on certain orders and each element in your RDE get assigned an index and then it will create a tuple uh, with that value with that index. Uh, so that's what you're going to see here. So when we do this, this is a, a four character, A, B, C, E. And then when we do the take with the index, we will bind zero into the first one. That's a, uh, the other it has in the list. And then one, two, three, and the corresponding one. So the later you can apply other function to it. So you want to only act on elements at position two or position three or do something. So that's uh, when you, the more you use it, it actually became a very common scenario you, you need to have some insights of your way of your actions. Um, so this is a different than the alternative approach where you collecting all the these into one node, uh, then you have automatic uh, ordering of them and you can do things. Uh, the ZBase index is still generating RDD, so they are still distributed out. They are just assigned a ordering into your data sphere. So again, it says uh, uh, a lot of time you need, you have to do it because you do not have enough memory space in one uh, in one node to do to collect the node. Okay. Okay. So I, I think I only have a uh, one Um, based on the group of the RDDs, uh, 
based on the power of RDDs, we can assume the power of RDD has a certain relationship so that we can um, produce them, um, um, uh, we can treat them as a, as a key value pair that being stored separately. Um, so here's some one examples on the, on the uh, RDD group by keys. Um, so we have the uh, a tuples and the, then, um, so the difference between here and here is that in the previous um, state with index, uh, we have the list, then we do parallelize, then we do the state with index after we, we make it at the RDD. And in the parallel RDD transformations, we can first apply the state index to create a list of tuples, and then as the RDD, then the RDD will recognize, recognize that tuples as one being key and one being base values, and then when we do the group by keys, um, in this case, what you will see uh, is a um, well. So, so, so in this case, the key will be the first elements, uh, the A and the zero, uh, and the B and the uh, and the second one will be and the one. And then that's the first line. We will do the parallel, and the way you do the group by keys, it will affect you to the first line as the keys, and it will collect, collect them as a C one group as a, a group by A and one is the key is B. So it has a, each one has a two array is their original index in the original uh, when you do the table is indexes. Okay. So this um, may looks very similar with the previous table with index and group by key, but the ordering when you do the table index makes a difference here. So similarly, there's a reduced by key functions. Um, it's the same concept here. Once we have the keys, it, it's a more or it's more corresponding to how the map reduce the reduced by key works, and uh, you will apply the same reduce function to all the things with the same key here. Right. So in this case, so in the previous case, um, the result will be a and the array of the index where a appears in the original RDD. And here will be the sum of those index together. So A will become the 0 plus 2, and B became the 1 plus 3. Um, so the, I think this is the last uh, RDD function I want to introduce is the join functions, uh, where you can join the, uh, you can, uh, like a, more kind of matching two RDD together and then join them together. So in these examples, we start with the three separate uh, RDD list. Uh, so the first list is a, basically people's name, and the second is a people's age, and then the third one is their department where they belong to. So what we can do is so we can first call the Z functions that basically binds the person uh, RDD with age RDDs, and then we can bind them again. Uh, we can find the person RDD with the department RDD again. Then we can join the two RDD we created uh, based on the person names, based on the same person names. So it's like we create a, it's the same idea, just in this case, the first RDD will use the person name as a key, and the age is a value, and the second one will use the person as a key, and the department as a value. When we do the join, it will join by that key, so you will get this, uh, person's name as a key as an output, then each value will be a list, uh, including actually a tuple with a, a page and a, a departments as 
All right, so uh, I think I will just stop here. So we will pick up maybe from tomorrow and uh, uh, talk about more about some other functions as far as and support and get some more examples. Uh, so some uh, just recap on this is uh, remember the lazy evaluations, and so there's a two type of actions: the action and the transformation functions. Um, either exercise, and you can do this this afternoon, and your Zappy notebook should be open until the end of the day. Uh, if it's done, you can go back to the slides, follow the same process, procedure, step by step, two step three, and you can start another Zappy instance. Especially you can get chance to really practice yourself in the class, and you can do that tonight or then the last people you'll say. Right? So, one interesting thing is uh, again, it's a uh, what I really would like you to try is maybe you can do even a version of how you can calculate in pi with the Spark, uh, with just a regular scalar. You already did that with the Python, so you can have a scalar version. Now you can have a uh, Spark version on how you calculate the, the large scale. Okay. All right, so let's have lunch. <laughs>